When our body experiences an injury, there's an automatic physiological response that takes place and the body begins to heal itself. When we're injured emotionally or spiritually, something very similar occurs. We begin to try to heal ourselves. It goes deep, I think, into most women, and we begin to think, what are people going to think now? Do they think I can't satisfy my husband? Do they think I made him go and do these things? Do they think I wasn't good enough? Am I not pretty enough? Am I not sexually attractive? Do I not do well in the bedroom? I mean, your mind can just go crazy because you start analyzing it from so many different points of view. But here's the problem. When it comes to emotional pain, our natural reactions often end up doing even more damage to us in the long run. We simply cannot heal ourselves. We need God to do his work in us, and his ways are not like our ways. He doesn't build up our flesh life or our self life, but he deals with us in us in our suffering not the way the world does, but he uses the suffering. He uses the pain. He uses the loss to work into us his image. Now, if that's not important to you, then then all this means nothing. This is just like wood, hay, and stubble. But if that is important to a Christian, a real Christian, that's life-giving, that he is actually using your suffering to do something in you that nothing else can do. This is Nate with Purity for Life. Stay with us. So we recently did a show with Kathy Gallagher about a husband who needs to confess sexual sin to his wife. And one of the things that Kathy said was that when a husband confesses that kind of sin to his wife, this is what she's going to hear. I am in love with someone else and you are not enough. And I think it's that phrase right there, you are not enough, that really captures the heart of what we want to talk about today, which is the impulse within all of us to try to protect ourselves or heal ourselves from emotional pain by bolstering our self-esteem. And I'm not an expert, but I do think that I could pretty easily sum up the goal of the self-esteem movement as the effort to prop up myself in the face of a situation that's making me feel less than capable or valuable or not enough. And I would guess, I've never been through it, but I would guess that betrayal in a marriage is probably one of the situations that would scream the most loudly to a wife, you're not enough, you're not valuable, you're not worth anything. And so then the temptation toward the self-esteem movement I would guess, would be incredibly powerful. So I asked Kathy Gallagher and Susan Smith to join me in the studio today to talk about this. Kathy Gallagher is the co-founder of Pure Life Ministries, and Susan Smith is a graduate of our Wives Program and a certified biblical counselor in our Wives Program. So Kathy and Susan, I'm wondering, let's get started this way, what expressions of this impulse to protect self are you seeing uh, most commonly when a wife is going through the pain of betrayal? I see a lot of frantic 
kind of scrambling to find value in themselves very quickly in a very worldly way. Typically, they do very deep introspection as Mm. far as, you know, like, what is wrong with me? Why Mm. did this happen? Um, Some of that's okay because, you know, we do want to ask the Lord, is there something in me that's sinful? Not that it brought the sin on, but, you know, what do you want to do in me, Lord? Mm -hmm. But typically it goes to the other extreme of, you know, I'm not enough. So that must be something that I need to correct or I need to do something better. So the expression I usually see is that frantic searching. But I do see also a lot of reaching out for validation, whether it be from family or friends, even in the church, you know, what should I do? This is not my fault, but maybe it is my fault. So they're just looking for validation. They're looking for people to probably tell them what they want um, in some cases. I see that a lot in counseling, you know, so-and-so tells me I should leave my husband, Mm -hmm. but this person says I should stay. This person thinks I'm completely crazy. So that's definitely a source of that self-esteem coming out. And then I think you definitely see a lot of women turning to the world solution of, I deserve better. This -hmm. should be a better life. This wasn't supposed to happen. And then from that, I think that search of a better life or solution, you see a lot of women plunging into work. If they're working outside the home, if they're working inside the home, they may plunge deeper into their kids and like, how can I make my kids more successful? Mm. They're definitely looking for success in other places outside of the Lord. You know, any way to build that compensation of I failed in this area is very hurtful, probably the most painful part I can feel like I failed in my life. And how can I kind of clean that up? I've definitely seen that social media plays a big part in this because the women like are, they're, you know, they're on the social media and they're scounging around. Oh, this didn't happen to this person. You know, like what's wrong with our marriage and looking for ways to have what that person, you know, has that they're looking up to, whether it's a better home, a better car, a better body, uh, more beauty. And then if they don't receive that, I think the expression that I've seen before is a plummet of fear and being mm. par- just in paralysis. Like, mm-hmm. okay, this is, the, I'm not enough. And so they're not being successful in the area of self esteem and building that. So they go the other way of like, well, this is just going to be terrible. And they don't look for value outside of themselves and the Lord and what he promises them. They just really see it as their plight in life. And that's a very sad situation to see. But I think it's quite common for for most of the women that I've counseled to have a little bit of that. And praise the Lord, a lot of them come out of it. Mm -hmm. But some people choose to stay there longer than the, well, I don't think that Lord ever wants them to stay there, but they stay longer and kind of let their flesh feed on that. And that self-pity can come in. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's very multifaceted, but it's super tempting and and dangerous when you first learn about the sexual sin. Yeah, it's a multi-headed monster, or it can be. I was just thinking about the whole thing of self-pity. And when the dust settles and you start to examine all of the facets of finding out that your husband wants someone else or other people, um, it is just the most devastating sort of thing for a woman. I I think because marriage mm-hmm. for a woman is so sacred and the power of the covenant is so strong, it's monumental 
for a woman to come face to face with this. And of course, we always, I think, I, I think this is typical, we always look at what's wrong with me. So we start picking ourselves apart and vacillate between anger and fear and just this horrible introspection of what did I do wrong and just going around this mountain of trying to pull everything back together in a million different ways. I didn't do anything right when I first found out about Steve's sexual sin. I do I did everything absolutely wrong. And I started off angry, and then I kind of morphed into trying to appease, trying to cajole, trying to figure out what would make him happy, try to mm-hmm. find out what would make him want me more. Because that, to me, in my mind, was what the problem was. There was something wrong with me. But that was not the problem. I was not the problem. And it took me quite a while, and I think this is true for a lot of women, it takes them quite a while to figure out you're not his problem. And so going through all these motions and these movements to try and do something with yourself in the wrong way is not going to help. And I know that a lot of people, this happened for me too, there were people in my ear giving me very worldly advice. You don't Mm -hmm. need to put up with this. You can do a lot better than this guy. And Mm -hmm. there was no person in my life helping me to find out from the Word of God how to go through this kind of suffering. Nobody talked about it. So, yeah, I had to find out the hard way for going through many years of just trying to build up my self-life, but I didn't have anything to build on. Um, so it was kind of a an empty platform, and I think that's where a lot of women find themselves at, and turning to the world, turning to worldly wisdom, taking drugs in some cases, doing things that would probably be very questionable as a Christian to try and ease the pain. Covetousness becomes an issue for women. They go spend, they go drink, they go do all kinds of things Mm. to try and make themselves feel better. Mm. Yeah, I mean, at some level, and I think this is true for everybody, like one of the things that the Lord is constantly doing in our life is he's shaking whatever can be shaken so that we can receive what cannot be shaken. And it seems like that process of things shaking, man, I, I know for myself, it's, it's just very traumatic. Even if it's not like a personal betrayal, anytime that God shakes the core of us, it's very, very hard. And it takes a bit of time, I think, maybe to find out what's going on and then to determine that I'm going to replace the center of my life with him instead of with this thing that he's revealing. I was wondering, too, how often do you think just the loss of a good image is a part of what's going on? Like, now everybody sees that I'm not put together and (laughs) that my Mm. marriage isn't that great, Mm. and I really... I'm really struggling because everybody can see what's going on with me. Does that hurt as much as the actual betrayal, or is it different for different women? Susan, feel free to pipe in, but I think that whole mentality, I mean, I think anybody would be humiliated. Any woman feels tremendous humiliation. It is very humiliating, but I think that it's amplified through social media because, you Mm -hmm. know, okay, now the facade has been torn apart. But the, the flip side of that is there are some people who never let it out. 
Mm. It never mm-hmm. goes public. Mm. So they hide it. That to me is almost worse because yeah. you've got to go through this by yourself and you've got to try and manage not only the failure of what's happening in your marriage, but hiding it from people. It just, it's a very, it's such a mess. You know, it's a real mess and it's so painful, so humiliating for a number of reasons. And she's asking herself, what's wrong with me? And so finding out what he's doing, it's like a self-examination and it just keeps leading a person, particularly somebody who's not grounded in the word of God. It leads them down a path of just Mm -hmm. self-absorption. Yeah. And there's so much stuff, so much that is not healthy down that path. Yeah. I totally agree. I I think that, um, you would rarely find a woman that would say, oh, that, I don't care. <laughs> you know, I don't care <laughs> right. who knows. You rarely would find that because that's our mm. most precious part that we're giving, right? Mm. Ourselves, our bodies, our emotions, our deep secrets. You know, we're supposed to be married to our closest neighbor, our best friend. Mm-hmm. And then when this happens, it's like, it just blows up. I mean, I think that it depends on the person how much it does dig deep. Mm-hmm. So if that person is an image bearer that, well, not an image bearer in the godly sense, but an image, uh, it's idolatry, right? That mm-hmm. they want to present this image of this perfect family, this perfect marriage. Look at the kids, look at what we have. And then something like sexual sin comes in. It's like damage control, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. it, it can either veer from like, I want to tell everybody and make him look like the bad guy. And I want to hold my image or it can be, like total demolish of the whole family. And this, Mm -hmm. this is extremely embarrassing. So I think it depends on the person to the extreme. It really affects them, but it goes deep, I think into most women. And we begin to think, what are people going to think now? Do they think I can't satisfy my husband? Do they think I made him go and do these things? Mm. Do they think I wasn't good enough? Am I not pretty enough? Am I not sexually attractive? Do I not do well in the bedroom? I mean, your mind can just go crazy because you Mm -hmm. start analyzing it from so many different points of view. But I think you also have a lot of people that look at that image and you can say, oh, what's going to be the repercussion of this now? Like, are they going to think I'm also not being merciful because I want to deal with the sin. I want Mm -hmm. him to get help. Yeah. I'm counseling a, a girl and that was, you know, one of the things she went through. Her family was like, you're not being grace giving to him. You're not showing him mercy. So you've got not only the image of embarrassment, but the image of like, now, how are you portrayed as a wife trying to deal with it? Mm-hmm. Are you being overreactive? So it's a very hard thing to kind of to step through for sure. This was years ago, but some of the women that I've counseled, in the past actually had people who turned on them. And I'm like, I don't even have a point of reference for something like that because she is such a victim. Mm. Um, but there, I think that people would distance themselves from the whole mess by pulling away from her, not intending to hurt, but just, you know, when you've got a couple and you're, you're friends with the couple, it's how do you have a relationship with one and not the other sort of thing. Yeah. I think that that happens a lot. And these poor young women don't know how to handle. It just feels like more rejection mm-hmm. um, for them. But, you know, 
I want to throw some light on the path to help deal with the suffering that a lot of women are going through. And you and I know, Susan, a lot mm-hmm. of women at Pure Life, all the women at Pure Life Ministries know what it's like to go through this. The way God comforts us is not how the world would comfort us. Going to people who will tell us what we want to hear is not the way that God he doesn't do it that way. That is not the way he helps us. He doesn't tell us what we want to hear. He doesn't build up our flesh life or our self life. But he deals with us in us in our suffering, not the way the world does, but he uses the suffering. He uses the pain. He uses the loss to work into us his image. Now, mm-hmm. if that's not important to you, then then all this means nothing. This is just like wood, hay, and stubble. But if that is important to a Christian, a real Christian, that's life-giving, that he is actually using your suffering to do something in you that nothing else can do. It's a profound and deep work that God is doing through the suffering. If you look at history, <laughs> church history, and the history of many saints down through the centuries, the defining characteristic in so many of those people was that they suffered loss, but they found Christ through it and became just absolute beauties in the eyes of God and in the eyes of other people because of what they were allowing the Lord to work into them Mm -hmm. through their suffering. And I think like it, that, what you brought out is a beginning of the pulling back of the layers when a mm-hmm. woman first finds out about the sexual sin. It's mm-hmm. like an onion, right? Yeah. And you got all these layers. And usually that embarrassment mm-hmm. and that kind of shame of this image that's now destroyed is like that first layer coming off. I know it was for me. I mean, mm-hmm. it was definitely like what do you mean? I am the good girl. I mm-hmm. have my ducks in a row like mm-hmm. that. But for me, that was the first layer coming off of like many layers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and a lot of it, what that was the first layer of self-righteousness coming off. And mm-hmm. I, and that's not true of everybody, but it was for me. It was a big deal. And it was like the Lord's first, first question. Like you said, Kathy was like, do you want this? Do you mm-hmm. want this life? Yeah. Or do you want to turn to what even people in the church are telling you, mm-hmm. you know, that you should divorce, that this is grounds, let's, let's get this ball moving. So I definitely think it's the first kind of thing to deal with when you learn about the sexual sin is, am I willing to go through this type of suffering? Because mm-hmm. this is one of the first initial shots of suffering that's going to happen. Yeah. I want to throw in there, because I know that there are women that are going to hear this that have been through years of this mm. with unfaithful husbands. And I, we don't advocate just letting someone pummel you mentally, emotionally, physically, year in, year out. There does come a time when the Lord allows and permits some level of freedom, and somebody has to walk a woman through that process. But I'm talking more about women who haven't been in this for a long length of time. They haven't suffered for decades under an abusive husband. And again, I still say the same thing, even for a woman who has suffered for a long time. I have counseled women my age that have stayed, and a lot of people would have told them they were fools 
for staying mm-hmm. and for putting up with it. But I'm again, this isn't like promoted in the church, but those women that stayed for the right reason because they were honoring the Lord and allowing him to work through the suffering, they are beautiful souls. And I don't think any of them would regret that they did that because, again, this life is so short. It's so temporary. It's not going to last forever. But I know this. I know if we allow him to have his way in us through the suffering, not that he's putting that on us, not that he created the suffering, but if we will submit ourselves, come into a meek spirit, a submissive spirit, Jesus Mm -hmm. is working his will in us. You have to see Christ in this. You have to look at his suffering, what he did, and he is our example. And so, you know, I know I always go on these diatribes about this stuff, but I think it's important, especially for young women to hear, it's okay to suffer. I mean, not... There is there is a limit to it, but I think you understand what I'm saying, that it's not wrong or bad to suffer pain in this life. It's mm. full of suffering and pain. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I had wondered whether or not it's harder to work with younger wives um, because I think our whole culture just revolts, especially the younger generation, just revolts at the idea of any kind of suffering, and especially voluntary suffering mm. um, <laughs> or unjust suffering. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, I just wondered if maybe the younger generation is, you're just finding it difficult to help them see things along this line. Mm. Absolutely. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm finding that um, it's not being preached a lot in churches. So, you know, Usually we're getting women that have looked at the pure life information, see that it's biblical counseling, and they're coming because they want counseling through the word, right? They want it based on the Bible. Mm -hmm. However, many times they're shocked when you bring up, you know, even that first couple weeks of the walk of repentance that it's about submitting to what the Lord has for you or the first sermon about gaining an eternal perspective that you shared, Kathy, that's like, it blows their mind that Mm -hmm. God would have a hand in this. He didn't cause it, but he allowed it. Mm -hmm. And it is biblical suffering. It's like not really talked about more in churches, in some churches. And then also, I think there's so much with the young women. I'm not with them anymore, right? I'm not exactly (laughs) young, young. But there's so many buzzwords going around, like boundaries, Mm -hmm. um, like me time, like self-care. And they all boil down to, you know, a real lifting up of self, of what I need, when I need it. And I think it's very dangerous because it goes into an area of exalting my needs above others, which we know that's not like Jesus, right? Yeah. That's not like what he is and who he is. And Philippians 2, it's going totally contrary to that. So it's kind of like a reteaching of that. And not only is it showing them in the word where it says we're going to suffer, where it says we're going to have times where the Lord is going to put us through fire and refine us, mm-hmm. but it also says we should rejoice in it. Yeah. And that's really hard, I think, for younger women. Like, okay, I know bad things happen, 
But the word says I should rejoice in what's happening right now. And we have to talk about what does that look like? What does it mean you're cutting cartwheels and you know <laughs> just wearing daisies all the time? Right. It means you have a deep abiding joy. That's right. And and you're willing to say yes when it gets really hard and you're really you're willing to to want more of Jesus and less of yourself, more of him time rather than me time, yeah. more of putting him as the head of your your whole life and your marriage, but your whole life and seeing this as like, yes, it's a huge deal. I definitely don't want to diminish that. But on the spectrum of life, this is going to be a small portion Mm -hmm. of the story he wants to write for you. So are you willing to believe that? And are you willing to deny the self-esteem you're hearing and the self-care and all the um, me times to really dig deep into what the Lord wants to do in this time and stop asking why, 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 Mm -hmm. why, and ask what. I know for me, that was a huge thing of like wanting to know why, Mm -hmm. thinking I deserved an answer when it was, I would probably never get the answer I wanted on this side of heaven. Mm -hmm. So was I going to be obedient enough and trusting enough to say, okay, Lord, Apparently, this is something you have for me, and I, I want to go through it. And Kathy, maybe you can speak to this. I know I've been talking to Rose some of, about it, but I hear boundaries a lot. And yeah. I know that you just mentioned that, you know, we know that the Lord doesn't have for women to stay in marriages for years and years, mm-hmm. and that can be enabling. Mm-hmm. But that's a big thing I'm seeing with a lot of women like, okay, I'll go through this, but I'm going to have these. And so, you know, we look in the word like the word boundaries is not in here. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. They want to they want to call their own shots. They want to tell God yeah. how much suffering they will do. And I'll go this far and no further. So yeah. I, I just feel like that is a big component with younger women. Mm-hmm. And it, it's kind of woven into a self-esteem kind of a care, mm-hmm. a self-care. Yeah. So it's not looking to the Lord to care. And it's not looking for the feeding to come through the word and time with him. It's coming from what are the boundaries that I can have that say you come this far and no further. Mm-hmm. And it's really very popular. So that's it's my a, take on it. It's a very, very um, subtle and cunning scheme of the enemy Amen. to to push that on people that I have to take care of myself. I have to have the self-care. I need to set boundaries. This, I'm sorry if this really grates against some people, but and I'm sure it will. But that is such a, where that will lead you ultimately is God is not good. How yeah. could he be good? Because all of your self-care and all your boundary setting is not going to stop what has happened. It's not going to mm-hmm. do anything to erase what has happened. But what you're doing is you're fortifying your spirit inside, your your soul and your mind to love self care for self. And that eventually takes you to the place God is not good. That's right. He's not a good God. And if you don't know deep in your heart that he is good, when storms come, you're going to sink. And it just mm-hmm. has to be a rock inside not to love yourself, not to, I'm not saying self-loathing either. I'm not saying turn around and hate yourself. That's just like another form of self. But I'm talking about getting yourself centered in the reality of who God is. God is a sovereign, 
God who loves deeply, more deeply than any of us can possibly imagine. And so the question rises in everybody's mind, if he's so good, then why this? That is a dangerous, dangerous question. And there's no end to it. And the devil is so right there to keep whispering Mm -hmm. that stinking lie Mm -hmm. into our ears. If you don't know the word of God, then you're not going to know him. If you're just sitting under worldly-minded teachers and preachers who will not give you the truth of the Word of God and what God is really like, you're going to turn on Him. And this is just one of those little ways that the enemy gets us to turn inside. It's not necessarily that you're going to stand up on a street corner and denounce your faith or recant Mm -hmm. your faith, but in your heart. And that's what the devil's after. He's after your heart and he's after your mind. And if he can prove to you bit by bit, piece by piece, that God is not good, and this is one of those areas where he can just really drill into your emotions. God, where are you? Why are you letting this happen to me? And just the questions rolling out of your heart toward God, that's where the devil wants you at. And you have to get yourself off of the throne Mm-hmm. He's doing something. He's allowing it for a reason. Find out what the reason is. Mm. I just had another thought too. With younger women, I think in our world and culture now, it's more difficult because they see submission as a much less attractive mm-hmm. <laughs> thing. Or necessary. <laughs> or necessary. It's not a it's not a noble virtue anymore. It's mm-hmm. like old fashioned. So you have like submission to the Lord, of course. Sometimes there's that rejection of like, well, if this is what he's going to give me, then I don't want it. Mm -hmm. So I'm not submitting to this. But then also definitely submission to any kind of thought of what is my life going to look like if I do go through this trial? I don't think I want to wait for that. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's maybe in previous times in history, there was more of like a a bigger deal of like, well, if we get divorced, like this will be a big deal maybe Mm -hmm. back in the day, but now it's very commonplace, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got our culture saying this, but you've also got young women saying, well, I have the rest of my life. Why don't I just kind of get out of this trial and move on? Mm -hmm. So you have that lack of submission, but you also have that lack of I'm stronger. I can do this on my own. Mm-hmm. I don't have to wait around to see if this is going to be what the Lord has. I know for me, that was very tempting because I am a strong, I was, I'm recovering <laughs> from being a very independent, <laughs> perfection-driven person hmm. by the Lord's mercies. Show me that and I keep walking in that. But part of my testimony is like, even in that strength and that independence, somehow, some way, the Lord got through my thick skull when all of our junk came out that this could be a really quick thing where you just say, yep, I'm going to take care of me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take care of my daughter. I'm going to divorce and move on. Or because of the Lord's mercy, he showed me, if you do this, this is what your life can look like down the road. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to have to share custody. You've mm-hmm. given your body to this man. You're knitted to his family. And I don't think a lot of people go through that kind of thinking to the depths that we have in years past. And that's not because of me. I'm just saying the way our culture is changing, Mm -hmm. that we don't really see it as such a big deal. And it's more like the driving force is like, go get what you need. 
mm-hmm. deserve it. You're strong. You can recover from this. Mm-hmm. Just go and do it. So that younger train of thought is definitely prevalent, even in the church. And even when people come for biblical counseling, Yes, it's like, I'll give it a try, but you know, there's always options. Well, the, the problem with that whole mentality is they have cut and paste the scriptures to the yeah. point that it doesn't, the Bible doesn't even read for them as it yeah. is written. Right. You know, one of the things that it's really hard to wrap my head around this, but there are themes throughout the New Testament, especially, and in the epistles. Some of those themes are patience, meekness, mm-hmm. endurance, lowliness, humility. There is just a lot of um, those things are written because um, there was a lot of persecution in the early church, and it's really been there through all of church history. And those themes fit every generation. That's why the Lord put them there because those issues, those are heart issues, those are spiritual issues that happen to us as we go through life, and. So we're not being persecuted, but we are in a devil-filled world, mm-hmm. and we are going through things. So those themes of meekness and humility and poverty of spirit, you know, Jesus started the Sermon on the Mount with, blessed are the poor in spirit. Well, how does that fit in with our cut-and-paste Bible version that we've made for ourselves. It's like we've completely gutted the Word of God and the things that Jesus said to us and and said for our benefit. But we have moved so quickly into an age where we want God, we want His blessings, but we don't want Him controlling us. We want to control our own futures. We want it make our own decisions, but we want him to bless us, and we certainly do want him to take us to heaven. So there is a lot of very confused, um, just biblically confused thought out there. Mm-hmm. And unless I, I, every time I get behind this mic or I do or say anything <laughs> in any setting, I am harping on being in the Bible to find Amen. out for yourself what it says. Amen. You can't trust in other people to tell you what it says, to teach you. I'm not saying you shouldn't have teachers, but I am saying you need to know for yourself and be convinced by the Holy Spirit what God's Word says. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. um, One of the things that I think is is really misunderstood, and I know it was for me for sure in the early days of walking with the Lord, is that um, there's something deep inside of us, there's like a bondage to ourselves Mm -hmm. that's very, very deep. And even when we're forgiven and saved and walking with him, I don't think we really understand the depth of how deep that bondage goes. And so he uses discipline and suffering and like it says in Hebrews that he he scourges every son that he receives. You know, mm-hmm. so those Hebrew Christians were basically, I think, asking, well, if I'm following Jesus, then why am I going through this? Mm-hmm. And the uh, writer had to tell them, have you forgotten? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> have you forgotten the exhortation that's addressing you as a son? Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't go through this, you don't belong to him. That's right. And so this deep suffering, not, not saying that every person who goes through divorce or uh, goes through betrayal belongs to him. But I think it's what it's supposed to tell us is that 
if we belong to him, then every single thing we go through that is hard is not just random chance That's or right. it's, it's a father. It's a father's hand, mm-hmm. which can be hard for us because yeah, that can just be hard for us. We want father to take care of everything. We want him to mm-hmm. erase all the suffering and the yeah, pain. Yeah. And so there's, again, there's the danger of not understanding the goodness of God in the midst of suffering, then he becomes the one that you're aiming all your anger at. And it's it's just a very dangerous thing. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the things that I think suffering does is it shows us where our security and our mm-hmm. values are. Yeah. It shows, where, uh, shows us where they really are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I wonder if it's hard to help people to understand that what the Lord is actually trying to do in this is not to destroy you, but to mm-hmm. liberate you. Yeah. Yeah. We don't like weakness. Yeah. And that's, you know, we do not like that feeling of we don't want to hurt. We don't want to cry. We don't want this to be happening. And we don't like the weakness that's associated with it. Yeah. But it is all those things and many other things that the Lord uses to conform us to the image of Christ. We are becoming Christ-like. It's the process of Christ in you. It's a painful process, but there's a glorious end to it. And I know that sounds so cornball to a younger generation and so like not even a real thing because earth life is so powerful for young people. But you'll, you will learn if you're walking with Jesus Christ, if you really belong to him, you will learn as time goes on that the best things that were ever accomplished in you typically are through the painful things, the suffering things. Yeah. This has just kind of been my testimony. I mean, like the Lord used it in several different ways, definitely with the sexual sin mm-hmm. um, in our marriage to show me self-righteousness to show me my image to show me what I put emphasis on which was definitely strength that I thought I had personally Mm -hmm. he's used it again in a trial with depression Mm -hmm. where I despise the weakness that this depression would bring Mm -hmm. and for me I think of Paul and Mm -hmm. I think of second Corinthians and I think about a verse that I really didn't like, <laughs> you know, second Corinthians 12, where he says three times he pleads with the Lord, take this thorn. You know, we know that part, right? Mm-hmm. We don't know what it was, but the verse that always kind of bugged me was where he says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you mm-hmm. for my powers made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly yes. of my weaknesses so the power of Christ may rest in, on me. And I remember looking at that verse in different trials of my life and the Lord saying, you don't like weakness. <laughs> you hate it. You mm-hmm. despise it. You don't boast in it. You don't see it as a good thing. You want to be really, really strong in yourself. And he's used trials along in my life to wean me off of that more and more to praise God when I see I am weak, to praise him more when I see his power come through me. But it is not a popular message in our culture. It is not a popular message for 
the generation coming up, you know, we have a daughter, 16 mm. going on 26, yeah. love her, but she oh. thinks she's ready to go. And, mm-hmm. and she is a wonderful person. Mm-hmm. But this, I know that in her life, like in all of our lives, God is going to use this drive that we have in our culture now that we are all surrounded with. You can do it. This is your life. Go out and get it. Mm-hmm. She's going to be faced with it like I was. And and I think that when we counsel women of younger ages or even older ages, if they're not familiar, like Kathy said, with what the Word says completely about suffering, not just picking and choosing, mm-hmm. there's a big challenge that you have to <laughs> come head to head with. What do I really believe about the Lord, His yes. character, mm-hmm. and what do I really believe about His purpose in this trial? All right, that's it for this episode. If you've never read Kathy Gallagher's book, When His Secret Sin Breaks Your Heart, Letters to Hurting Wives, I at least wanted to mention it here because it's compelling, it's biblical, it's compassionate, and it will give you solid counsel on a wide range of issues. But most importantly, it will direct you to the only true source of hope, Jesus. That's it for today. We'll see you next time. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.